Welcome back to the Failing Forward podcast, you guys. I am so pumped to introduce you to our guest today. This is a dear friend of mine, a fellow Breakfast with Champion, a man that has a heart the size of I don't even know, gold, the world, it's really the universe, but he is just such an incredibly inspiring soul on a mission right now to impact millions of lives globally. Um, if you guys have listened to, few, to past podcast episodes and you love the content that we're providing for you here on Failing Forward, you're loving the conversations, it's changed your life in a way for the good, then I want to urge you to go and share it with someone that you know can be impacted by this word and this message. And I know specifically this episode right now going into the holidays, people need to hear this man's voice. They need to get this sense of empowerment as a lot of us are just juggling multiple things and getting ready for the holidays and getting ready for the new year. So do me a favor, share this episode, share the podcast with two friends, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already on all the different platforms. And if you haven't had an opportunity, go over to YouTube and check out the Failing Forward with Nikolosh podcast, because we do have the video of all of our episodes there for you. You can actually leave comments on the episodes there. So let us know how you like the conversation, any future content that you want to hear, conversations you want us to have, leave those there on YouTube. Now, here's one thing I'm going to mention. Those of you that go on and leave a review on the podcast, you're doing a couple of things. Number one, you're helping us to get more exposure so more people can hear the message and be inspired and motivated. Number two, if you leave a review, I want you to take a screenshot of that review Go over to my Instagram page, which is at Niku Loesch. That's at N-I-K-O-U-L-O-H-S-E. Follow me on Instagram and send me a picture of your screenshot from your review, and I'll be sending you a free gift. Okay, that's my little holiday gift to you. So subscribe, share, review, check out YouTube, leave a comment. We have some power coming your way. My brother, Marcus Black, hello and welcome to the podcast. What up, what up, what up, family? It's so good to see you, my sister. I'm so incredibly excited to be here with this incredible community and to be able to share my heart, be able to connect with y'all. And listen, let me tell you right now, energy is not your thing. This might not be the conversation for you, but something <laughs> tells me energy is your thing because you follow my sister, Niku, and that's what we're all about, which is giving you life. And we're talking all about, listen, man, we're going to move forward with the things that we've gone through and the adversities we've overcome. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for sharing me with your community. And I can't wait to share this with mine so everybody knows who you are. And let's get to it. Yes, my brother. And if you guys aren't checking out this episode right now on YouTube, go over and look at just this first couple of minutes. You'll see the amazing sweater that my brother Marcus is wearing. Together we can because that's his mission. And then you'll see the shirt that I'm putting on today, my spiritual gangster tank top, because this man is all about spirit. He's divinely moved and his voice is coming from a higher place. Marcus Black is a former pastor. He is currently an urban missionary providing leadership and mentoring programs to several inner city schools through YFC International. Recently, he was actually named one of LA Weekly's top 10 keynote speakers to watch for in 2021. He is a best-selling author, a traveling speaker, a life coach, and the host of the Vitalize podcast, and also a co-pilot of the Embrace Your Ambition Traveling Faith-Based Personal Development Experience. So we are in for a treat today for this conversation. Marcus, I am so incredibly grateful for you. I know you're very busy traveling all over the place, speaking on stages, working with the inner city. I mean, you are a busy man, but 
from you and I having built our relationship this last year on breakfast with champions, we met each other on the streets of clubhouse. We've heard each other speak. We've been in a number of rooms and your story is just so powerful. And I really wanted people to hear how you feel forward in your life, because some people will look at the end product and be like, wow, this guy is so put together. Oh my gosh. She has so much energy. He speaks so naturally. Like I can't be who he is. I can't do what he does, but they don't understand the humble beginnings. So I want to dive into your story of resilience and dive in to who Marcus Black is and where it all began. Let's go back to how you failed forward. Oh man, what a question. And, and I'm really excited to be here to have this conversation because here's what I know. I love that this is a safe place in a community where we can really talk about failing. Cause so many times we feel like we're defined by the failures in our life. We coming out the gate hot. We coming in hot today. Listen, failing does not make you a failure. It is a vital part of the process to becoming everything you are meant to be. And that is a situation and circumstance. (laughs) Those are things that I had to learn early on in my journey. Cause I grew up in a family who fought hard. My parents fought hard to try to provide a life better for us than the one that they had. But I'm from Mississippi. I was born in Memphis, Tennessee, raised in Mississippi the poorest state in the union. So we're already fighting poverty. We're fighting these curses and these things. We didn't have a lot. (laughs) I was thinking through some of the things I experienced, bullying, you know, all my clothes came from Walmart. Kids don't understand. They just think it's funny. And I, you know, there was a lot of pain and my dad was struggling. A big part of my story is him trying to fight to become and find himself. And he had a big hole in his heart because of the absence and the lack there of faith. And because of it, it caused him to try to fill that hole with all the wrong things. He tried to fill it with alcohol. He tried to fill it with gambling. He tried to fill it with women. And here's what we know. Nothing can fill the God-sized hole in your heart except for a spiritual focus and a foundation. And so that led to devastation and destruction early on in my life. And it led to me feeling less than as a human. It led to me feeling like maybe there's days I don't even want to be here. I don't know what it is in life, but this can't be it. And so this led me to walking on eggshells, feeling like what is really life. And then that led me to at nine years old, I was visited by a real life monster. And I'm not talking about the kind that live under in closets and under beds. I'm talking about a real monster and one that haunts more of you and the people in the world than almost any other sickness and disease. And that's anxiety. And it crippled me. I struggled with crippling anxiety from age nine up throughout my life. And so here I am, this kid fighting for my life, gasping for air, feeling like I'm being buried alive, being sucked up into a vacuum, hopeless and helpless because of the reality I'm living. And maybe I'm on somebody's street because you know what it feels like to feel hopeless. You know what it feels like to have those closest to you and those you love belittling you, mocking you tearing you down you know what it feels like to be heartbroken and you know what it feels like to be in pain and maybe a few of you know what it feels like to not want to push forward in life anymore and i share this with you so you realize early on in this episode ain't no mask here we don't do that we're going to keep it real with you and share the whole picture because everybody sees the winning season, but you need to know how we got here so you can understand nothing is wrong with you and just stay in the game. Don't worry about the shots you miss. Just stay in the game. 
Amen, brother. Michael Jordan said it best, right? He missed a thousand shots, but it didn't matter. He just kept on shooting, kept on shooting. And now he's known as one of the greatest of all time. Just stay in the game and don't give up because as long as you don't give up, there's no such thing as failure. It's just an opportunity for you to learn and grow and progress and get better. Now, shocking. I didn't know that this whole journey started at nine. I knew it was in your adolescence, but nine years old. And there's a lot of mothers in our failing forward community that are listening. And they probably were shocked when they heard that. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're telling me that my kids might be experiencing anxiety, right? What are some things that we should be looking for in our children and our youth to help them with avoiding some of these roads that we don't want our children to go through. Like no child should be experiencing anxiety and what that feels like. And for those of you that don't know what anxiety is, anxiety is this crippling feeling of heaviness on your chest, on your shoulders, on your head. It's a sensation of your heart pounding out of your chest. Like you're having a heart attack where your hands start to shake and they get clammy and sweaty and your breath gets really shallow. And it feels like you're suffocating and your mind starts to race and you can't even control. And you're like, Oh my God, the whole world is on my shoulders. And all I want to do is push stop. That's anxiety. It feels like a heart attack. It feels like a panic attack. It feels like you're suffocating and drowning. And to think that a nine-year-old was feeling that, it's not okay. I know a lot of people, they experience it as entrepreneurs, as CEOs, executives on that road towards burnout. But a nine-year-old or children, it's not okay. So what should we be looking for in our youth, Marcus? Man, I would say the things that happened with me is I began to fear crippling death because in many ways my life felt like death. So I was internalizing the pain and the traumas around me, the bullying so much so that I stopped doing the things I cared about. I didn't want to go outside. I didn't want to go play. I didn't want to do what normal kids do. Everybody's like, you want to go to the water park? Yay. I didn't want to go to the water park. Oh, we're going to go ride bikes and race. Uh, I don't want to do that. And so if your kid starts losing a zeal and an interest in the things that once made them smile and brought them joy, that's probably something that you should tap into. And they might not share. I would have never shared with my mom if she didn't walk in on an anxiety attack. I was with my friend and my friend was like freaking out because he didn't know what was happening. He runs and gets my mom. She comes in like, what is happening? She's like shaking me before all my breath comes back. And I'm just like catching my breath. And I'm like starting to ground myself. And she's like, what is happening? And all I could do was look at her with tear-filled eyes and say, mommy, am I going to die? I asked her that because I felt like I was being buried alive in that moment. And she said, yes, you are. She said, but not for a very long time. I said, like 100 years? She said, yeah. You know, she always kept it real with me. She always told the truth, but she did it in such a graceful way. So sometimes you feel like if your kids are struggling, you don't have all the answers. You feel helpless and hopeless, but I'm going to walk you through some stuff because I cut it off because my whole beginning of my story is insane. So I cut it halfway because there's another significant thing happened that really helped me overcome this and spurred me into many of the things I'm doing a significant moment. But before we get there, I just wanted to communicate to you that if you are just being there is enough, just caring is enough because that was a lifeline for me. Just knowing that she cared and knowing that she had my back and she was a peace, a source of peace in the midst of the storm is what kept me going. Brother, I love your heart. And one thing that, you know, when we first had that conversation on the phone and we were just yelling and screaming on FaceTime and your son was in the backseat of your car and we're like, oh my gosh, we're so connected and we're so alike in so many ways is our passion and love for motivating, inspiring, and working with the inner city, specifically with youth. And that's something that I did 
all throughout my 20s. I was very passionate about going back and finding the girl or the gal that is really struggling in their childhood, moving into adolescence, especially middle schoolers. It's such a crucial time to tap in because you don't know what they're experiencing. You don't know the feelings that they're feeling and what they're they're holding within themselves. They're not venting. They're not talking to anyone. And based on my experience and what I went through in my adolescence, they need to hear someone that can not only say, here's what you need to do because I'm a professional and this is what you're supposed to do if you're feeling this way, but look them in the eye and say, I see you. I feel you. I've been where you are. This is what I went through. Now let me hold your hand and show you how I got to where I am today. In 15 years from now, you can be me. You can change your life. So as you're working with the inner city, what are some of the things that you're doing for the youth that are really struggling for the mom that maybe knows their child is dealing with depression or knows their child is being bullying or bullied or knows their child is dealing with anxiety. I was just talking to a 12 year old girl the other day that she was like, I don't, I can't take criticism. Like, I don't like to hear when something's wrong or I did something wrong because it makes me feel like I'm not worthy. And I told her, I was like, how does that make you feel? And she said, I immediately started crying and I just go lock myself in the room and I separate myself from everything. And I said, oh, are you feeling like that when you start to cry, do you start to feel like as you're crying, you're not able to get enough air? Do you start to feel the clammy hands and like, you just want to shut the world out? She's like, yeah. How did you know that? I was like, that's anxiety. That's how I felt. And here's some things that I did to help me. I started working on grounding. I had essential oils like lavender that I would put on my wrist, put right underneath my nose and on my neck so that I can breathe that scent. And it just, if anything, it's a reminder for me to, to slow down, to breathe. But lavender actually has properties that will help you relax and calm down. I taught her about meditation, just sitting in silence for one, two minutes, watching the flickering flame of a candle. I taught her different things that I did to ground myself down because when you're experiencing anxiety, you're, you're all up here, right? Like you're all over here. You're just trying to bring that energy back and down and ground, going outside, walking in nature, feeling the sunshine. The last thing you want to do is isolate yourself in a cold, dark room. That's not what you want to do. You don't want to sit there with that pain. You got to find ways to deepen your breath, right? Work on the breathing practice and just ground down. So what are some of the things that you do to help your inner city? Man, I love this already. It's such a powerful conversation. And I think you spoke to it. It is so many of the times the kids in the inner city feel like I'm fighting a losing battle. They feel like the odds are stacked against me. They feel like I'm dealt a bad hand and there's, I don't know if there's anything I can do about it. And so the first thing I do when I go in is validate those feelings. And I'm like, you know what? The odds are stacked against you. You were dealt a bad hand. This circumstance is not ideal. You trying to figure out as a 15-year-old how to feed a six-year-old and a three-year-old because your dad is no longer living and your mom was taken to jail for an unpaid taillight like, ticket. Like, that's not ideal. And you don't, no one has $100 to get them out of jail for a night. So now you're trying to feed little kids. That's not a good situation. So once I validate those feelings, they say, oh man. And, but then I let them know, but listen, you're not defined by any of the things that happen to you. And you can learn a helplessness that causes you to live as a victim for the rest of your life. Or you can realize this is what it is. 
And I can't change what it is. I can't do a singular thing about the things happening around me, but I can do something about what's happening in me and I can keep moving and I can hold on and I can learn the best ways to survive and thrive and I can move forward. So I tell them like, you know how I know that? Because I did it. And then I share my testimony of how I did it. And too few people care enough to go back to where they came from and say, look, I've been there. I do. I keep it so real with my kids. I'm in the school and I'm like, some of y'all right now is crying yourself to sleep at night because you sitting here being a parent before you even got to be a kid. They get quiet. My goal is to keep you out of a cage in a box. They get quiet. It's like, dang, they didn't expect me to keep it that level of real. Like I do this because I care. I don't have to be here. They're saying it's not a money thing. I'm here because I believe in you. And I'm here because of what I didn't have. I didn't have as many people coming back and pouring into me and showing me the blueprint. So I had to hit my head a lot, bang my head against the wall a lot, fall a lot. Thankfully, a lot of times it was forward because I did have some voices in my ear pushing me to get up and keep moving. As long as you're moving forward, you're good. But that's one of the things I'm doing and I'm sharing and I'm teaching them how to share their story. I'm connecting them with community partners and mentors. We take them to a camp for free over the summer that we pay for just to invest in them and expose them to something bigger than their current reality. I love that. And, you know, I know for a lot of people that maybe life is just not stacked up in their favor currently right now, not to say they can't change the trajectory down the road, but they're lacking in that feeling of stability, security, protection, and they're not grounded. They're very, they feel very lost and they don't feel tethered. Right. And I know one thing that really helps tether people and ground people and give them that sense of stability, security, and protection is faith, having faith and spirituality. And I know that there's someone listening right now. I know because I was this person. I know there's a woman or a mother whose life has changed maybe by the birth of your first child, or maybe from loss and grief, or maybe from the situation we've all been in the last year and a half with the pandemic. But I know there's someone out there listening, saying, we're going to talk about spirituality next, right? Next episode. That's not for me. And I also know there's a woman out there that's saying spirituality. I'm interested. I want to know more about it, but I don't even know where to begin. So as we're talking about things that we can be doing to ground us and make us feel stable and secure and protected and help tether us down so that we can step into the best version of ourselves, let's talk about the spirit. Let's talk about spirituality. And it could be in the terms of spirit-guided universe, breathing, things like yoga, or it could be all the way in the sense of religion. Let's get into that because you are the expert in the field. Yo, watch this. I'm going to take you back before I take you forward. So I told you guys I had this crippling fear of death and dying. And it, it was like, I wish I could tell you that first anxiety attack happened. And after my mom told me I was going to live 100 years, it was all good. It never happened again. I, we all live happily ever after. But you and I both know as clear as day, that ain't how life works. So what actually happened was it became a recurring nightmare that played on repeat for years and years. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. 18 at age 18 is still happening on a regular basis i can't even close my eyes at night because i'm kept up by this ridiculous fear i didn't even like sleep i was sleeping like two and three hours a night just because i heard sleep was the cousin of death and i didn't even want to lose any moments of my life right and then 
I manifested one of my worst nightmares. And on a routine night, coming back from an event with some of my friends, we're heading down the highway, chilling. I'm dozing off because I'm in the passenger seat. I'm not driving. It's cool. I'm dozing off. And next thing you know, I hear boom. And it was one of the loudest explosions I'd ever heard in my life. And I opened my eyes and trust me, when you're in a a moving car going 75 miles per hour, boom is not the sound you want to hear. And so the car, I look up at my friend, like, what's happening? He's like, I don't know. He's yelling. The car starts shaking, the fish telling, going back and forth. And then we fly off the highway. Dukes of Hazard style. 75 miles per hour, nearing a bridge into a massive ditch, 30 feet deep. Car spinning in the air. We're smacking trees. Trees are slapping me in my face as my head is slinging back and forth. Literally glass smacking me in my face. It was like the fastest, slowest thing in my life before. Boom, we hit a massive tree. Another boom, two booms in like the shortest amount of time. And I sat there with my eyes closed when the dust cleared. And all I could think is my worst nightmare has come to pass. And I am about to die without having ever lived. That was the realization I had in that moment. And so I had, speaking of faith, I'll tell you why I bring that in. I had faith before that, but it wasn't real. It was just what I was supposed to do. My mom was a church secretary. I grew up around it, but it meant nothing to me. That moment caused me to go on a journey because I had a lot of questions. Okay, God, if you hear, why did you let this happen? My football career ended after that. Why did you let this happen? One of my best friends in life died in a car accident, not going half the speed we were, not two years prior to my accident. He died at 15. He didn't even get to live a life. He never got to experience. Why? Why did that happen? Why am I here? Why did you keep me? Why me? Why is this happening to me? Why did I grow up in this cycle of abuse and poverty? Why me? And I kept asking that question from 18 to 20. Why? Why? And I didn't understand. And I was just going through the motion. Some of y'all know what that feels like. Why me? Why is my business not working out? Why do I not have the support I really want? Why do the people closest to me not love and support me the way I love and support them? Why me? Why am I the one that has to go through these cycles of pain and chaos and grief and abuse? Why I know, you know, how I know, because I lived that. I asked that question for a long time. And then I realized <laughs> I was never going to get an answer to that question because I was asking the wrong question. The question was never why, it was never why, it was never why me. (laughs) The question was what, what is it for? What did you go through that for? And when I shifted my perspective, then it opened my eyes. I don't know why I'm here, but I made a promise to God that I'm gonna spend the rest of my days figuring out and figuring out how to love and how to pour in and how to support and how to give and how to take care of the people around me. This is what I decided. This is what I chose to do. So as I chose to do that though, now I had to give you that backstory so you understand. So now you ask about faith and where that becomes a vital part of the journey. At age 20, from 20 to 30, I entered into one of the roughest seasons of my life. Because from the moment I had this accident and this wake up call, this new zeal for life, like it didn't transition immediately. My 20s were hell. 20 to 30 was like a hellish season. And this is where faith comes into play. What I realized in that season, I was in the wilderness. There's a story from the Christian perspective of of Jesus going into the wilderness. There's all types of, you hear people are going in the wilderness and in the wilderness is where people felt lost. What am I even doing? 
I got this desire to go and help people, to serve people, to make a massive impact, to use my voice, to leverage my story, to help people. But that ain't happening. I can't even get a job. I got out of college, paid 150 grand for a degree and couldn't find a job. How does that work? Going from interview to interview to interview. Nope, sorry. We love you. You're incredible. You're overqualified. Oh, man, you would be amazing. We're going to go with somebody else, though. Like that happened again and again and again. Like what is wrong with me? Almost becoming homeless, being evicted. My wife looking at me like, how are we going to pay these bills? I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. She's crying to me. And I can't look at her in her eyes and give her the peace and comfort that we're going to survive the circumstance. This was a cycle in my 20s. And in the wilderness is when you want to throw in the towel. And in the wilderness is when you feel alone. And in the wilderness is when you want to give up. But here's what I learned about the wilderness. <laughs> I'm about to start throwing stuff. I had a person ask me the question. And I the love question, it. I want to see you throwing stuff. For the YouTubers that are watching, throw something. <laughs> I just threw something. <laughs> Legit, I'll get that excited. When I think about this moment, right, and I'm thinking about... <laughs> The wilderness. I had a person ask me, I was speaking to this group. It was a women's empowerment thing. And I, they were just cheering. Oh my God, the things you're doing are amazing. All oh, the things you went through were horrible, but it was only one person who thought about this. She said, Hey, your beginning was like tragic and terrible. You're not at the end, but where you are now, is pretty remarkable. She said, but what about the middle? And when she said it, everything inside of me burst this big, massive emotion because before I knew it I looked it to her soul and I said the magic is in the middle the magic is in the middle and here's what I learned about the wilderness while I felt like I was dying while I felt like I was left behind while I felt like there was nothing there while I felt like I wasn't tethered to any cause or any purpose the entire time God was there stewarding me protecting me keeping me alive keeping me filled with hope keeping me surrounded by the right people and giving me what I needed because in the wilderness is where I proverbially learned how to hunt oh man the wilderness is where I learned how to provide the wilderness is where I gained some new tools in my tool belt that I was gonna need to transform and change the world I didn't always talk like this that came from pain from being in the wilderness I didn't always communicate as impactfully as I do now. It came from the wilderness. And I, what I realized and how faith came into play was that I needed an anchor. And it was what I held on to. It was everything. Because if you think about what an anchor is, it's a mechanism that is attached to ships that burrows into the ground so that the ship does not get lost at sea. Notice I didn't say it doesn't stop the ship from filling the elements. If you've ever seen a ship anchor, it still gets tossed to and fro. And sometimes you feel like that ship that's being tossed to and fro by the things that are happening around you in life, by the storms. But if you are tethered to an anchor, which is what faith and spirituality is, it holds you to the ground and it keeps you from getting lost in the sauce. So that's what it did for me. It kept me in the wilderness. It kept me hopeful. It kept me expecting. It kept me pushing. It kept me persevering. It kept me going until I learned how to use the new tools that were developed in the wilderness. And now I get to change the world straight up. I love it. What are your favorite ways to practice and strengthen your faith? Man, it's all about relationship. So for me, the relationship I have with God is everything. But you don't have a really good relationship if you don't have time, quality time and communication. 
that's any relationship. I dare you to try to have a successful partner marriage uh, without quality time and communication ain't going to happen. So every single day I get outside and this helps with my anxiety too, because I was able to really overcome that and it all, how I overcame it all and how I found peace in my life to be able to move forward was all the same. My faith, I get outside every day and I like to get in nature. Sometimes I go on a nature walk. Most of the time it's surrounding a body of water. So I'm gonna hit a lake or something. And I love to silence the noise because noise is happening around you. We live in a perpetual state of overwhelm now. And this overwhelm comes from being overridden with notifications, phone notifications, social media notifications, email notifications, TV notifications. Then you turn on the TV and it's news, 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 and all of it is horrible. It's the worst things happening in the world. It's chaotic and it leads your soul to a place where you feel vexed. So in order to get peace, you got to silence that noise. So I go out. I feel the breeze smacking me in my face. I listen to the waves crashing around me and I'm able to pray and meditate and talk to God and allow God to speak to my soul and to bring peace. In that moment, I become the most grounded I ever am. And then I live in the moment. So it's the power of now. I'm living in this very moment. So many times we're worried about, listen, let me tell you two things. If you've been living in a state of depression, it's probably because you have made a choice to loop your nightmares in your mind and you are replaying your traumas on repeat and you feel a perpetual state of depression. That's what depression is. When you replay your traumas in your mind and you go down this rabbit hole and you feel horrible. Likewise, anxiety is the opposite. <laughs> it's when you think about all the greatest worries and fears and possibilities of all the horrible things that could happen and you replay those on a loop in your mind and you're worrying about things that may not ever come. The way that you alleviate both of those is to live in this moment. This moment is all you have. You don't have. Yesterday is gone. You can't change a single thing about it, no matter how painful it was. Tomorrow is not promised. You cannot control it. So you got to live in the now. And when I remind myself to come into the now and I'm praying and I'm meditating, the last thing I do is I practice gratitude, extreme gratitude. So many times we focus on what we don't have and we focus on how far we got to go rather than appreciating how far we've already come and celebrating the moment and the things we do have rather than we don't have. Those connect to me and the deepest level in my faith walk. That is so powerful. And I love what you said about the, the silencing the noise. Cause I think a lot of us right now, we're just overridden by news. Like the news is causing so much fear. The news is causing so much uncertainty, which is why anxiety levels are higher than they've ever been. Suicide is highest that it's ever been in the history of ever in 2020. And it's not looking much better in 2021, even with a lot of these mandates being lifted. And it's because we're allowing people to put these thoughts in our brain that we're then putting on a loop and we're not silencing the noise. We're not taking the time to get outside with nature and just sit in silence. Now, there was something that you said that was really interesting to me. And I'm sure that an audience member is probably thinking the same thing. You said that you go out there and you pray, you meditate, and you allow for God to speak to you. His voice comes to you. And I, I was raised with religion. I actually went to a Seventh-day Adventist school and then I studied Christianity and I was, was in Rome. So I went to the Roman Catholic church and all of that. 
And when my father passed away, I was 21 years young and he passed away way too young. I said, you know what? I don't believe in faith anymore. I don't believe in God because if God really existed, he wouldn't have taken my father away at 52 years old. Like there's no way cancer wouldn't exist. There is no way. I was asking that question. Why, why, why not? What for? Right. And now I'm at this place in my life. I've just had my first child, right? Two-year-old, beautiful baby boy. I have two incredible stepchildren that are now going to a faith-based school. So they're now learning about faith and reading the Bible and doing all of that. And I'm at a place where I'm ready to, to actually get back to faith. So I started going to church recently. And I have two new versions of the Bible, not the one that I used to read, the King James, but something a little bit more simple for me that's more easily digestible. And still, I pray every single day. I pray at night with Kai. He prays with me. We say amen. We practice gratitude, all those things. But I've never heard the voice of God. What? So when people say that, I'm like, oh, whatever. (laughs) So talk to me about that. Like for someone like me that does silence the noise that does pray that does meditate that does have a strong spiritual right like my spirituality games on another point having practiced yoga for 13 years and meditating and breath work and all that stuff like i'm a very spiritual person very connected to the universe i know i feel vibration energy all around me i know how to manifest things and make them happen based on setting my goals and my mindset but this whole, I heard the voice of God, they, talk to me a little bit about that. How can we, how can we, those that are trying to get back into religion, hear the voice of God? What can I be doing different? Absolutely, my friend. So the first thing I'll tell you is that you have heard the voice of God and you literally just said it. You just don't realize you have. And I realized that in the faith, we don't do the most incredible job of the way we present that to people who don't have that type of faith that don't come from that type of religion. Like, what you mean? I ain't never heard no voices. These people crazy. And I used to think that I used to hear people say that all the time. God told me this and God told me that. I'm like, he ain't tell me like I've never heard his voice. So I'm like, maybe something's wrong with me or my faith ain't strong enough. So I was smiling so big as you said that because I know what that feels like, but here's, here's what we have to understand about God. God is spirit. And the way we learn is that God's spirit lives in all, all things. It is, in essence, the essence of everything. So there's a spirit that you possess. And there's an intuition that you feel. And so when your heart becomes submitted to God and you are now seeking your higher purpose in the world, that is when God's communication comes to you. Now, if you are busy just doing things like the hamster on the wheel, you won't hear from God, meaning you won't have this, this core intuition that's leading you into the higher service or your higher purpose and call on the planet. But if you do silence the noise and you tap in, and even with prayer, like so many people, I teach prayer. Prayer is two part for me. Part of my prayer is me making my request and my the things that I'm manifesting and that I'm hoping for. But the other part of my prayer is me sitting in silence and learning to tame my own thoughts. The art of meditation in the art of allowing God to speak. And when God speaks, it's not an audible voice. You're not going to hear words like coming from a bush or like, hey, go do this. That's not how it works. What it is, is a deeply connected intuition, a move that comes in your gut core that says, I need to do this. And it's like, it's almost like a light bulb. It's like everything inside of you invigorates. And it's like, I'm supposed to do this. And you have complete and utter peace, even if you don't know how it's going to work. You have that complete and utter peace that doesn't even make sense for you to have complete and utter peace. That is God's 
voice or spirit connecting to yours and spurring you into fulfilling your mission on the planet. That's what that looks like. That is so cool because based on how you described it, then I have heard the voice of God. I just always thought it was manifestation and the power of prayer, expressing gratitude and being a really, really good goal setter, like having clear vision and then backtracking that vision to the present day. Right. So it's that whole art of living in the present moment. But it's interesting when you said that God is within us and all things, right? It is within everything because in the yoga practice, we say there's the little self, which is us. And then the big self, which is everything. And we are just a drop in the ocean. Therefore we are it all. And we have it all within us. It's interchangeable. So that was a really beautiful way of explaining that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now there is a part in the Bible. So I'm going to question this a little bit because I question a lot that's in the Bible and you'll know exactly where this is, but there's this whole story of Jesus and how he climbs to the top and how he got the 10 commandments. Did it not say in the Bible that he heard a voice? So When, yeah, when Moses was, was writing those, the, the 10 commandments that came direct from God, this is what we have to understand. I'm glad we're having this conversation because this is the reason for the season, right? I want you guys to be encouraged. The way that God used to communicate many years ago is very different to the way God communicates now. Now, why would that be the case? Because back then, God was not as accessible as God is now concept of God, all men having access to God. So there were high priests that everybody had to go through. So when once God would communicate to certain people or his angels would communicate to certain people, these high priests, it was so that they could relate a message to everyone else. So God was actually speaking to people. Once God realized there was a better way and all people deserve access to God, there's no monopoly, there's no authority. He sent Jesus to become the high priest for everybody so that there's no longer a need. You ain't got to go through nobody else. You don't got to go through me. You don't got to go through no pastor. You can direct in your living room, in your bed, have a conversation with God and be heard. And so the reason that's significant is because it cut out a need for you to hear an audible voice like it was then because it was a middleman. There's no middleman. So you don't need that anymore. Now you have your own ability to become spiritually disciplined. And the way you do that is to listen, and even the, in, in another passage in the Bible, it says God speaks in a still, small voice. That voice is the voice that's inside of you because the spirit of God lives inside of you. When the Bible says we're made in God's image, it don't mean two eyes, nose, mouth. It's not talking about skin tone. It's not talking about none of that. It's talking about the essence of spirit is the image of God that we're created in, men and women equally. We're created in that image. So when it says we're created in that image of God, what he's telling us is you possess the qualities of me. And because I live in you, you have access to me, direct access. So it doesn't need to speak the way that he used to. Like at this point, you have access to talk to God right now, wherever you are. That's really cool. And you can tell that I am very new to coming back to my faith because I don't even remember all the stories very clearly. Moses went to the top and he wrote the 10 commandments. Okay. For someone that may be interested in religion, like I am, I'm very, very interested in getting back to my faith and opening my Bible and growing this connection, right? Like I go to church and I am moved by the worship, like the music moves me. And I feel like I'm a part of the bigger thing. And then I love 
hearing the sermon. Like, I think that's just so empowering and motivating and it just opens up my eyes and it makes me feel so grounded. And I leave service feeling like I'm ready to take on the week, but a lot of people don't do the work between the Sunday and the Sunday. So they go back to their lives. And for me, I want to figure out a way to start incorporating Bible study. I just, I don't know where to begin. The Bible is so big. There's so many stories and so many different versions and they're so confusing. Where do you begin if you're someone interested in starting that aspect of a religious faith and practicing it, um, specifically the Christian faith? So watch this, man. I love Christianity and it's so beautiful. Here's the thing. Here's what people have to understand because a lot of people have been turned off by it, but they haven't been turned off by it. They've been turned off by the people who represent it. Here's what you have to understand. People are imperfect and there will be people who represent God's heart wrong, including religious leaders, including pastors, including teachers, just like I got a brand. I got the vitalized brand. There are people who wear my brand and they will go out and do something they shouldn't do and hurt somebody. I didn't hurt that person, but the person who was a representative of what I stand for hurt people and it will become a reflection of me. So that's the first place. Understand God hasn't hurt you and it's never God's heart. People hurt you because people are imperfect. It was a person that kissed God in the form of Jesus in the face and turned around and betrayed him, stabbed him in the back. He was showing that nobody's exempt. I, I know what that feels like. I went through it. So that's the first thing, understanding that you got to understand who God is, the heart of God. The heart of God is love in all things. And what God wants for God's not this authoritarian, authoritative figure that's sitting up like celestially waiting to punish you every time you make a mistake. God wants you to have an abundant life. One filled with love, one filled with life. So if you want to know how to find the heart of God in Bible study, don't start trying to digest the deepest scriptures. Don't start with the, the deepest, like make it simple for yourself. So this is where I tell people to start. If you want to know clearly and adequately the heart of God, you start in the Gospels. That word gospel means good news. And that is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are people who walked with Jesus on the earth and they wrote what they saw. Now, depending on who you are and how you are and what you like will determine where I tell you to start. If you're one of those like James Bond, Jason Bourne, you like the big action type of movies when you watch movies, then you probably want to want to pick up with Matthew and Mark because those guys were like writing like, oh, my God, they're writing like all of these crazy events and these crazy faith and the stuff that they saw. So if you like that type of action, I would tell you to pick up there because they are giving you firsthand account of what they saw Jesus do in the earth. If you're an intellectual and you like the deeper side and you like to study and then you want to pick up with Luke, it's the third gospel. Luke was a physician. He was a highly educated man. So he wrote from an educated perspective of like, the logical side. So that's a good place for you to pick up to read the same stories, but from a, a physician's point of view. My personal favorite was John because John was Jesus's best friend. And while the others wrote about, let me tell you about my Lord. Let me tell you about my savior. Let me tell you about this bad man that's out here saving the world. That's cool. But John said, let me tell you about my friend. A lot of people don't like John's gospel because they feel like it's soft and it's all the like love and all of the, but who, who better to know the heart of God than a person that spent the most time with him in human form. That's where I start there. And then another good place to start outside of the gospels is the book of Romans, because in Rome at the time was the empire, the, the massive culture of the day. So Paul wrote a letter to the Romans 
because the Romans who practiced Christianity were struggling deeply in their faith because that it was opposed to the government. It was opposed to what they were supposed to believe. So he wanted them to understand the heart of God. Those are the places to start if you want to know the heart of God. Because Rome, Romans makes me cry every time I read it. Because it's like, I don't care who you are. There is nothing that could ever separate you from the love of God. Sometimes we need to feel like that. When we feel unloved, when we feel unsupported, when we feel like we've done too much and we've strayed too far and we've hurt too many people and we can't be lovable, our own spouse doesn't love us. Our own family doesn't love us. Our kids don't love us. So how could God love me? You read that and you'll find out exactly how and and from his heart so that makes me emotionally even thinking about because somebody right now is struggling but i want you to know that you couldn't be more beautiful than you are right in this moment you couldn't be more loved than you are right in this moment you couldn't have more purpose than you already have right now you were born with it you couldn't be more significant than you already are you already have it and in this season i hope you feel nothing but warmth and love to know that no matter what you went through you're not defined by that and there's still a beautiful bright and budding future in front of you if you're willing to keep putting one foot in front of the other so that's where you start as far as versions, I would start with the message by Eugene Peterson, because he pretty much takes a plethora of the other versions and summarizes them to give you the point they're trying to make, not the specific words. I love that. And the message is one of them that I got, as well as just the, the newer version, because I just think it's a, a lot simpler read. And I'm kind of reading passages from one to the other because I want to understand, like, I know that the true word is going to be the old King James. I get that. And I'll get there one day, but the whole brethreth and this and that, it, like, it's a language. Let me I tell you get. something about that. I'm glad you said that because that's not the true words. King James is one of the worst versions of the Bible. And not even a lot of Christians know this. King James was a king who commissioned, he paid for the Bible to be translated from its original language. So what he did was he had the final say-so and authority on what went in and what wasn't. So when the scholars who did the translation would come to him and say, hey, this word could mean A, B, C, or D. We think it means A, King James had the final say because he paid for it to be like, no, nah, I want D. And so you have a lot of errors within that translation and many of the earlier translations. That's why there's so many newer translations because as scholars have gotten access to more knowledge and more being able to understand the original like Hebrew and Aramaic and all these languages that this was written in, they've gotten better at like what they were actually trying to communicate. So yeah, don't feel like you need to go back to that. That was written for them by a king in England. Amen. Cause that is the hardest one to read. That gives me the biggest headache where I'm like, none of this makes sense. Or I'll, I'll think it makes sense. And then I'll go look at another version. I'm like, Whoa, I got that. I got that wrong. Um, so interesting that you say that. I know a lot of people come to me and they're like, Nikki, religion is just not for me. I love that you're a yoga teacher. I love that you lead meditations. I love that you're into breath work. And for those people, they could still find faith. Like you don't, religion is just one vehicle of helping you in your spiritual life, but religion is not for everyone. I was talking to my brother, Princeton, who's like, Hey, I was he was a pastor. He was all in religion. And now he's like huge into spirituality and the power of manifestation and visualization and breathing and all this stuff. So he went from like one to the other, but there's a lot of us that maybe we just want to cut to something different, right? We just want to cut to what is spirit. Can you speak to that person and how they can find spirit and develop, improve their spiritual life outside of religion? And I had this incredible conversation with Shaman Durek. If you don't know who that is, he's a powerful man. And he talks a lot about that, you know, 
the the living spirit um and no matter what you call it i call it the spirit of god the spirit is the spirit and it, it's it's in all things the way that you find it is the same process it's li- nothing is different you have to silence the noise because when you have all of this noise in your mind you come up with your own conclusions and you fill in the gaps from your own ego space from your own pain and your traumas you're trying to protect yourself and that's a recipe for you to go down a bad path when you can remove yourself from the equation that is when you can find a purpose of something bigger than yourself because when you start talking about spirit and spirituality it's all about how do i do what serves the greater good how do i do what serves humanity, my community, my city, my state, my world, giving back with the gifts that I have to be a part of the grand story of service and the grand mission of healing and love and light in the world. So when you start thinking about that, if you don't know the answer to that, how you're participating in this grand story of healing and hope, and and you can do that from a, with a business, you can do that just serving your community. I mean, there's so many different ways you can do that. But if you're not intentionally thinking through what that looks like in in your universe revolves around you, you're the center of everything. Everything has to make you happy. You got to be pleased with everything and everything has to serve you and not something greater than you. That's the loneliest place in the world to be. And that is a recipe for heartache, heartbreak, and for letdown for you to feel unfulfilled in this life. You feel the greatest when you're giving back and you're serving others. Amen to that. And I can't agree with that notion enough. I mean, you know, I was born and raised in Los Angeles. So I'm one of the few LA natives and let's just be real and let's call it what it is. The majority of people that live in Los Angeles are not natives. They came from somewhere else with a primary, not to say everyone, but the majority come there for Hollywood, for fame, for the limelight right? They want to become a top aspiring model or they want to be an actor or whatever, right? And when they're there, a lot of people, not everyone, but many of them are only focused on themselves and what they can do to get their name out there, what they can do to get their name in the limelight. And there's a lot of narcissistic people in cities like Los Angeles. I mean, I'm just going to call it what it is. I'm from there, so I'm allowed, all right? So with that being said, it's those people that I see are only focused on the win in it for them. They're not getting paid enough. They're not getting the right opportunities. Life is happening to them. They're the most unhappy people that I know. Why? Because they're not connected to community. And when you're not connected to community, which if you break down the word community, the word unity, which is people coming together is in the word community, you're living in isolation. And when you're in isolation, you're alone, you're afraid, and life is happening to you, not for you. Therefore, that is why you're not happy. So you got to get out of your own way. You got to stop thinking that the world revolves around you and you got to find a higher purpose, a bigger purpose. And if you want to be an actor or an actress or a top aspiring model, whatever it is, just don't make it all about you. Make it about how your name and your service can impact the lives of all the people that are watching you, whether it's you walking down a runway or watching you in your show or watching you in your movie. Put yourself in the position of, I now have an opportunity to impact so many lives and let that be your focus, not what more can I gain for me? Not what is happening to me. Because if that's your mentality, if that's your mindset, that's exactly why you're at, you are at where you are today, feeling how you're feeling today. So I just had to throw that out there real quick. Yo, throw it out there. And, and you speak to some deep things there. 
And I hope you guys really take note of what she's saying, because I've learned that as well. And don't ask me how, because there's people who've made bukus of books more than me that I'm now mentoring and coaching. And I didn't understand that at first. Like, what can I teach you about life? I'm like, I don't, I've never built a billion dollar business. Why am I coaching a billionaire? And this billionaire said to me, I build businesses, but you build people. People build businesses. And there are things that you know that is not that you think is common knowledge that aren't like how to serve the grander purpose, like how to find fulfillment. There's a reason why many of the successful have one of the highest rates of depression and suicide is because Jim Carrey said, I wish all of you could become famous and, and become rich so that you can learn that that's not the answer to your problems. That doesn't solve the pain that you feel in your heart. So you best be find a cause to become tethered to something bigger than yourself and figure out how to give yourself to it from a place of love and service, not for what you get out, but for what you can put in. And that is when you feel most fulfilled. 100%. And a lot of us know the very sad, tragic story of people that were incredibly successful. They got into the limelight. They made a ton of money. Like I, I, I think immediately of Heath Ledger and what an incredible job he did on that Batman movie. And he ended up taking his own life. I think of Robin Williams, whose role was to be a comedian. He put smiles on her face with some of my favorite movies growing up, like Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, I'll never forget it. I go back and watch it today. It's, it makes me feel so good. But here's a man that was on the other side, what we didn't see suffering in silence. And he ended up taking his own life. And it's true. There's a lot of us that our reason, right? Our purpose, our intention is not clear or we're doing things for the wrong reason. And we need to find the greater why it's of service. We're all here to be of service the same way that Jesus came down to serve, right? We need to be of service. And it's okay if you gain success along the way. It's okay if you make millions and billions of dollars along the way. I'm not saying it's not okay to make money, y'all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying doing it for the right reasons, be here to create an impact, be here to change lives, not just your own life, but the lives of many. And there's a, a saying that I, I don't believe in completely, but they say it's lonely at the top. And when people say that, it makes people very, very fearful of advancing. So some people won't try as hard in work or they won't try as hard in their community or they won't try as hard in whatever it is that they're doing because they hear it's lonely at the top and they don't want to be lonely. Yeah, that's true to a certain extent. If you're someone that just steps on people to climb the ladder, then when you get to the top, if you get to the top, it's going to be pretty lonely. But there's two ways to become successful. Number one is by using people and stepping on people to get your way to the top. Number two is by uplifting people and elevating people and impacting people where they lift you to the top. And when you get to the top, you are anything but alone because you got a whole crew right there celebrating with you that you can celebrate with and dance with and sing with because you changed their lives and they are excited to see you at that pinnacle. I love that you highlighted that, you know, several things I want to pinpoint, but first I'll start with where you ended. And when you talk about lonely at the top, I, I do hear people say that a lot and say, but that depends on you because it don't have to be. It can be. If you go alone, it will be lonely at the top. If you go together, it won't be. And that's why my dear friend and partner, Ashley Faye Brinstead, we've been talking about this, like we're trying to show the world what it looks like if a team of people can all rise together because together we can. Ugh, I didn't even plan on that bars, but together we can go further and it doesn't have to be lonely at the top. Like there literally is so much 
beauty in going with a group of people and having people to celebrate the wins in life with. Now, something else you alluded to, and you talked about the point of it all, service, right? It's funny because people think it's bad to have doubts. People think it's bad to question God. So maybe that's not for me because I got questions. All these Christian people seem to have it all together. So they got all the answers. I must not need to be one of them. I'm like, please don't ever believe that because ain't nobody got all the answers. There would be a need for no God if we had all the answers. <laughs> but this is what I want to speak to. Many of those people, the religious teachers of the time, doubted God as well. And they doubted Jesus. And they saw, they saw miracles and they still had doubts. Well, why did they have doubts? Watch this. <laughs> they have been hearing of their entire life. This, this man is coming and he's going to be the Messiah. You know what Messiah means? It's chosen one. King of kings. He's going to come and rule and reign. That's what they had in their mind. Grand chariots and the greatest like garb and, and like adornment, attire that you could have. And so when Jesus actually pulled up, he wasn't on a throne in a chariot. He was in some dusty rags riding a donkey. And they was like, nah, that's not that. That don't match what I read about. And they were like, who are you? Like, you're not him. You can't be our king. This is not what we read about. This is not the king that was promised. And he said, yes, it is. And they're like, no, it's not. It was like kings rule kingdoms. And he said, you don't understand. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. So what matters in my kingdom is not what matters to you. The things that matter in this world, status, fame, all of these, like that doesn't matter in my kingdom. You're significant. Everyone matters. So they're trying to understand and they're confused. And he said, listen, in my kingdom, I want you to understand it's about service. He said, the son of man did not come to be served. I didn't come for you to wash my feet. I didn't come for you to bow down and grovel. I came to serve you so that I could show you by living example, what brings you the most joy and meaning in life serving others you start serving others and you start watching your life you start feeling real good for no reason and i just wanted to highlight that it's okay if you one of those that had questions many of those closest to him had questions he even said himself to god in the garden when he prayed i don't want this no more can we find another way is there another way because i don't want to go do this no more but then he said it's not about me it's about the higher purpose for my life your will be done so I just wanted to give that perspective to someone who feels like, man, like I want to serve, but I'm not perfect. Like you ain't, it's not about perfection. This journey is about direction. I love that so much. So we're getting to the end of this conversation, but you and I know that we can talk forever and ever and ever. And our heart is in a place of wanting to create impact. Our heart is in a place of wanting to motivate and inspire and empower others. And those of you who have been listening to me for a while, you know, my goal is to educate people that you're not in this alone, that it's okay to fail. It's okay to not be exactly where you want to be. The whole point is that you fail forward, that you learn from it and you grow from it. And that's why these conversations are brought to you with people that are doing the things that you may want to be doing, or they are in the place that you may want to be so that you can hear from their story that they weren't always perfect. And it wasn't easy. That's the whole point of our Failing Forward podcast. And if you guys love this conversation, if you love this episode and the passion, the voices, right? The intensity that Marcus and I speak with, well, I have great news for you. In 2022, Marcus, myself, and two of our favorite people, Princeton and Ashley, are all partnering up to bring to you live retreats all over the US. And I'm sure one day we'll take it global, but for right now, we're gonna start in the States, right? 
and you're going to be impacted and empowered in such a profound way. You will hear this voice. You will hear this passion. So if you're interested in getting more information about those retreats, first things first, make sure you subscribe to the Elevated Tribe newsletter if you're not subscribed already. We'll leave the link for that and how you can do that in the show notes. You can also follow my Instagram page at Niku Loesch, where I will definitely be posting about it before then. And you'll learn a lot of stuff about mom tips and gut health and all that. And then I want you to also make sure you give my brother Marcus a follow on Instagram, because when the time comes and when that retreat's put in place, we're going to be putting it all over social. We'll be sending it out in our newsletter. If you're on our newsletter, you're going to have early access which is awesome and probably some cool giveaways. So make sure on the newsletter. And then Marcus did release his book, Asleep at the Wheel. And if you're interested in hearing his story and reading his book, I encourage you to go to his website, www.mblackspeaks.com where you can get access to his book. But Marcus, how else can we stay in touch with you? How else can we continue this conversation, this relationship? And is there any closing remarks that you would like to make today on the podcast? Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you want to contact me, man, I'm all about it, all for it. I'm here for it. All you got to do, you can find me on all the social medias at M Black Speaks. That's M Black Speaks literally everywhere you want to be. Twitter, TikTok. I'm not great on TikTok. We're working on it, though. On Facebook, all of them. But if you really want to tap in with me and see where I spend the most of my time, it's probably going to be at Clubhouse at M Black Speaks and Instagram. Instagram is the best place to connect with me. You send me a message. I will get back to you and connect with you. So, yeah, tap in. If you got any questions about anything I say, you want to chop it up, hit me up. And the last thing I'll say to you is this. It's the holiday season. And there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of chaos. There's all of this pressure to spend money that you may or may not have. There's all of this gift giving and pressure to like make everybody happy and trying to do the best you can to make ends meet and trying to do the best you can to show the people around you that you love them. I understand that. I want you to take a moment and make sure that you're giving you what you need. You're giving everybody else what they need, but are you giving you what you need? If this season of the last two years of your life because of this crippling sickness that brought the world to its knees has brought you to a place of utter devastation, your business hasn't been thriving, your mindset hasn't been thriving, your heart hasn't been thriving, your soul hasn't been thriving, and you feel like you're struggling. You feel like it's hard. You don't even know how to continue to remain motivated and inspired as you try to fulfill your mission on the planet. I'm going to tell you how you do it. Number one, you start with loving yourself and giving you what you need. That same love and care and compassion that you're giving everybody else around you, you got to pour that into yourself because you matter too. You got to understand that you belong here. You are significant. Here is wherever you are. Stop listening to the lies that everybody told you. And I hope you feel joy and peace in your soul right now to know that you matter. And last and most importantly, I want you to know that no matter what you've been through, as long as you fail forward, as long as you moved forward, as long as you didn't let it break you, as long as you don't grow weary in doing good, I promise you in due season, your time is coming. You will reap the harvest of your service. You're going to reap the harvest of your sacrifice. You're going to reap the harvest of the work that you put in if you don't give up. But the caveat is don't give up. So don't give up and keep putting one foot in front of the other because you can. I love y'all, man. Thank you for letting me be a part of the family. Marcus, I love you. I love your passion. I love your heart. I love your intention. And you are just, you are, you're going to create so much impact in this world. You already have. 
where you can, you're going to continue to do it in bigger ways than you even believe you can. I know you've spoken in front of tens of thousands. It's going to be millions. And I firmly believe that your name will be known anywhere you go. So just get ready for that. My friends, if you love this conversation, then do me a favor, share this episode with someone that you know needs to hear it right now, especially at a time that like Marcus said, with the holidays, it's a joyous time, but it's also a really crazy time. And someone needs this message of faith and grounding. So please share this episode with someone that can benefit from it. And please leave a review on the podcast, because that's how we can get this message out to more people all around the globe. Again, if you leave that review, send me a screenshot at Mika Loesch on Instagram. And I would love to send you over your free gift from me, my way of saying happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and happy new year to all of you that are listening. Thank you so much for taking the time. We love you. We appreciate you. We see you, and most importantly, we hear you as well. We'll see you very, very soon in a future episode of the Failing Forward Podcast. Peace. Bye, yo. (laughs) That was dope. 